Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Last month, two Canadian women stormed their way to podium finishes at the Western States Endurance Run. Ailsa McDonald and Marianne Hogan placed second and third, respectively, at the world's oldest 100-mile trail race in California. This was the first time that Canadians have reached the women's podium since Ellie Greenwood set the course record in 2012. Marianne, who is from Quebec, started out as a triathlete, was a scholarship track runner in university, and eventually transitioned to the trails. She also acted as a guide for Paralympic triathlete Jessica Tuomela at last year's Tokyo Games. Ailsa calls Cochrane, Alberta home and is a former Ironman Canada champion and an accomplished marathoner. She also holds several Canadian records on the trails. I spoke with Ailsa and Marianne a couple of weeks ago after their phenomenal performances. I'm so glad to be joined on the ShakeOut podcast today by the two Canadian podium finishers at the most recent edition of the Western States 100, Marianne Hogan and Elsa McDonald. Thank you both so much for joining us on the ShakeOut this week. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's great to be here. So we were just chatting about the recovery process after an event like this. And I think, Elsa, you've been going through some really sort of fun recovery over the last couple of weeks. Maybe you can tell us what that's looked like for you. Yeah, yeah. I've just um, really been taking a lot of downtime. Just spent the last week and a half camping and I was down at uh, Sinister 700 miler uh, endurance race there and I was I was crewing for that. So I got to sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else suffer for a change. Uh, and then we went on to Waterton National Park and I was just doing some uh, leisurely cycling and hiking with my husband. So uh, definitely lots of downtime, lots of good nutrition. And yeah, it's it's been it's been relaxing and it's been fun. What was it like crewing a race so quickly after you just came off of a huge performance yourself where I'm, uh, you know, we'll talk about this, but I know that the crewing piece for you is really important. What was it like turning around right away and doing that for someone else? It was, it was really great. I, and, you know, I think it gave me a, an even greater appreciation for the sport, being able to sit back and, and watch how everyone else, how people struggle in, in a race like this. Um, it was a really hot day. So a lot of people were falling apart with the heat. It's a dry and exposed course, people having nutritional issues, injuries along the way. And then just so much emotion on the course, like people were having a good day were nothing but smiles, even though they were hurting. And yeah, it was, it was really fun to be on the other side of it. And, um, the guy I was crewing was just so appreciative and you realize like how important you are as a crew member when you're when you're helping somebody else get through such a such a crazy event. Yeah, and I can imagine I know that and again, we'll we'll talk more about this as we go, but I know you've sort of been on both sides of that coin in terms of having a really good day and then, you know, having a more challenging day as well. So, I'm sure that as a, you know, seasoned veteran now of of the uh, the trail and ultra scene, you could probably relate to a lot of what you were seeing out there. <laughs> oh, 100%. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute, but I want to bring Marianne in here. Um, I know that you're both home right now, which is great. So Elsa's joining us from Cochrane, Alberta, and Marianne is in Montreal. Uh, Marianne, what's your recovery process looked like? I understand you <laughs> were struggling a bit right after the race. I'm hoping you're feeling better since then. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely am. Um, I was struggling because uh, I, I was pretty sick, actually, all throughout the race. And after the race, I, I threw up like I've never <laughs> thrown up in the race before. So um, I think that made recovery or the couple days after really hard because I was so dehydrated. But once I got that back, that back in order, uh, I've been feeling really good. And um, I actually was able to start running again. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. 
that's a relieving feeling when you can get your legs back under you after a big effort, especially if you've had that kind of, shall we say, output following a race, you know, spilling your guts. You know, it's funny, I was thinking about the heat. And one thing that we just missed each other, Marianne, but we were both in Tokyo last summer for the Olympics and then the Paralympic Games. But because they were separated by a bit of time, we actually didn't have any crossover. Not that we probably would have seen each other anyway with all of the restrictions. But it's just interesting to like put your current result in the context of a really big year. Um, Maybe you can take us back to what that experience was like um, helping as a guide for the Canadian Paralympic team and then, you know, what what it was like recovering from that, moving forward back into the ultra and trail world. Yeah, definitely. So um, I started guiding actually right when I started be, or when I was finishing get being really injured. I broke my leg. I got a spiral fracture of um, my uh, tibia and fibula, which really uh, took me out of the game for a while. And I used to be a triathlete back in back in the day. Um, I did I did a lot of sprint triathlons, and um, so I was contacted right when I was getting back on my feet by the head coach of the Paralympic team to see if I would be interested in in guiding Jessica, who was the athlete I was paired with um, for the Paralympic cycles, which I was definitely on board. I think at that time, I definitely was not able to run nearly as much as I would have liked. Um, And it was a really good way for me to kind of, first of all, absolutely give back, but also, you know, work on my own fitness. And and, and so I trained as a triathlete for, for those last two years. Um, I worked with Jessica and I was supposed to be signed on to be her guide all the way through Tokyo 2020. But, it, you know, pandemic happened and everything and Tokyo 2020 became Tokyo 2021. So I kind of pushed back my own goals and my own objectives um, all the way through uh, Tokyo 2021. And um, that's when I really, really wanted to, to get back into the trail scene and, and really uh, dive back into those races that I really wanted to do. But it was an amazing experience. I mean, working as a guide is is so much more than than just a sport. You know, it's you're really working in sync with another person. Um it was an experience like no other, you know, I, I'm definitely happy that I did it. Uh, and it worked, it, you know, it really improved my communication skills. It opened up my, you know, my, my horizons in terms of oh, so many different things and being, being in the Tokyo village during the, the Paralympics was really, really, you know, I'll remember my whole life for sure. Yeah, that's really incredible. Um, it's, it's, you know, having been there myself, I know how strange it was because it certainly wasn't the Olympics or the Paralympics any of us, you know, really wanted, but it's the one we got. But I think the thing that I was really missing was that sense of team, like like sportsmanship and, and sense of team, because we just had to come in and out so quickly. And I was thinking about you and your guiding position and the fact that you were there, like, literally for someone else would I like I would imagine that would bring in a different kind of sense of like team and meaning yeah I was definitely I mean I was in there you know I was in there as part of a team uh, with my teammate Jessica but also our our triathlon group or paratriathlon group uh, remained very very close during the pandemic which uh, I think was very you know put put to the front during the the Paralympics and we really stuck together and it, it was unfortunate that we couldn't you know fraternize so much with other sports or other countries but um it was a situation at the time and we kind of just had to to go with it yeah resiliency and making the best of whatever situation is thrown at you is definitely the name of the game again i think there's probably a lot of crossover there into the the world of you know 18 hour racing (laughs) over 100 miles um so i'm so fascinated by this with both of you because you had very uh close finishes at western states this year and yet you have very different backgrounds and experiences in the world of ultra and trail. 
But then the convergence again is sort of like this crossover with a lot of similarity in your athletic backgrounds. Marianne, you were talking about, you know, growing up as a a high level junior triathlete. I know you then went on to uh, run track in university, moved to the roads, then then found the trails. Elsa, it sounds like, you know, the trajectory had some, again, some similarities there for you in terms of the, the triathlon and the road running background. Can you round that out a little bit for us? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, I started as a triathlete as well. Um, in my twenties, you know, when I got out of school and there was, uh, no group sports anymore, I, I was always big into cycling and I was always a runner, never quite a swimmer, still not, but yeah, I, I started to dabble in triathlon and I, I really loved it. And, uh, so I kind of stuck to that for, for a few years. And then I kind of veered more towards road running and focused on the marathon for several years. And that was my, my main event for, for quite a while. And then I started to get into like the longer distance triathlons until I eventually did an Ironman, which is where I kind of discovered my talent for endurance events. And um, I did a few Ironmans. And during my Ironman training, I also started to dabble in like the shorter distance trail running and realized I really loved it. And, um, you know, I kind of got bored of of Ironman, I guess. And then I I thought I'd try the the 100K race and then the 100 miler. And then I just kind of stemmed out of control from there. Bored of Iron Manning. I think it takes a special kind of athlete to be able to say you got bored of Iron Manning and decided to move on to something different. That's awesome, though. You again, you have a, you've had a really successful career on the trails so far, and it sounds like in your other sort of past athletic lives as well. I'm curious what you take, if if anything, from those past pursuits. You know, as a marathoner, as a um, a triathlete, and how that maybe informs. Um, either mentally or physically, how you kind of approach the the trail and the ultra scene? Uh, I think that, I think a lot of it was actually transferable from iron, going from Ironman to long distance trail. Like I had already nailed my nutrition, what worked for me, what didn't uh, kind of pace where I needed to be effort wise in order to be, to sustain an, an event of that duration. So I think it was, you know, the, the way that my um, athletic career kind of progressed. It it was all kind of building blocks to make me the trail runner that I am today. Marianne, I have a similar question for you because it's been interesting on the podcast over the last couple of years. I've had guests on who were really strong, like track and road runners. Reed Coolset is a, one of the more recent examples. Rob Watson, Krista Duchenne. There's been several athletes who have kind of had these multiple phases of their running careers who eventually find the trails and then tend to move up and up and up in distance. So a similar question for you. I'm curious how that background um, informs your your ultra running now and kind of what you've taken from those pieces into your success. Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people these days when they do trail running or ultra, they, they keep a lot of intensity in their training or they do a lot of um, high intensity workouts, which I don't really do anymore. Um, and I, I, I can't really describe it as a strategy as more as that that's not necessarily where my heart is. Um, I just like going out on adventures and, and, you know, going out on the trails for as long as I, as I can in terms of like as long as my body can, but also as long as my work schedule or anything permits. So, but I do think that my past as a track and field athlete and as a triathlete really developed, um, you know, that, that intensity that I needed to develop as a, as a younger athlete, but now, now, now it transfers really well in terms of 
uh, in the ultra running scene without me needing to work that speed so much. So I think that, 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 that that's how it is, but um, I'm not really sure that scientifically that's actually how it works. But in my mind, it kind of reassures me that I, I did work some speed when I was younger and now I'm just kind of more in, into the ultra running scene. You know, it's funny, it might not matter scientifically, but it matters a lot if you believe it. So <laughs> again, speaking about some of the differences between both of your uh, sort of trajectories, this was, Marianne, your first 100 miler and your first Western States. Elsa, I know this was your second Western States. And again, you've had a very long and, and successful storied career so far on the trails. Um, Marianne, you have had quite a road to get to this start line. And I know you've talked a lot about this, but coming off of, you know, I, I was paying attention to the Paralympic Games last year, and then you had done, you know, a number, you've had a number of successful results on the trails since then. But I'd love if you could take us back to like the four years prior to that, because not only did the whole world contend with the pandemic that I know made it especially hard for Canadian runners to like get south of the border and do the racing and, and training they needed, but you also had some pretty remarkable injuries that you had to overcome to get here. If you could give us kind of a, an overview of that, that'd be great. Yeah, definitely. I, in the, the last four years for me have been, um, of course, the pandemic has been has been difficult for everyone. But for me personally, I've just been struggling with a wide variety of injuries. And I think that I, I, I went through the gamut of different kinds of injuries. And my my biggest one are really the ones that create all sorts of different problems. Um, it's the one that so I, I was running, I was trail running and I twisted my ankle. And as I twisted it, I spiral fractured my tibia and fibula. And that required two surgeries uh, over the course of two years. Um, and in between that time, it was really, really difficult for me to run. I actually, uh, I had two plates and 15 screws in my legs. And it was really, really difficult for me to just even, you know, the first six months, it was hard to walk. And then starting to learn to run again, it was really difficult because it was really painful for me. And then as soon as I got back, I had a pretty serious ankle sprain that led to like a, a ligament tear. Uh, so that was really hard for me to come back from. And then it really messed up kind of both of my ankles. And then uh, I keep twisting it again. And, and it almost, you know, a lot of the, the, the runs or races that I do, I, I get some pretty serious sprains. Um, and I, I seriously sprained my ankle again in March of this year. So this was like the third time that I, I really did it in a serious manner. And um, the reason why this time it was more severe is that I kind of dislocated a bone in my foot. Um, so the bone in between the, the, the tibia and the actual foot. And so when that happened, um, that really put me off and it was very, very close to Western States. So I was, I was pretty nervous, but I guess that's the thing is when you, when you're in, when you're injured repeatedly, uh, you kind of learn how to deal with it and how to not let it affect you or your mental state or you find different ways to, to stay in shape or, or different ways to stay focused and, and kind of just get back. And you convince yourself that rest is what you need and you just focus on resting. And, and, and I guess uh, so making it to, to Western States is very was was a very positive news for me. And, and whatever was going to happen on race day um, was going to be just bonus, you know. Yeah. And I, I know that elsewhere you've you've been quoted as saying, like, just getting to the start line was the biggest accomplishment. And that context, you know, says everything about that. It makes so much sense. I want to come back to that in a moment. Um, I want to bring Elsa back in here because this was your second Western States and you had your first experience there in 2018. And I know that um, I think you used the word unfinished business after that Western States experience in 2018. Maybe you can take our listeners back and give give us an idea of what that meant for you. 
I finished Western States in 2018, but it was definitely a struggle. And it was, it, it was a lot of rookie mistakes. It was my second, my first hundred miles, no, a second hundred miler. And I, I kind of let the pressure of the race get to me. It, it's a very competitive race and making it there is, is, is huge. But the year that I made it there, everybody was kind of like, Oh, Ilsa for the win, Ilsa for the win. And I was like, that's a lot of pressure. And, um, I don't know. I, I kind of let it, um, I kind of let it get to me a little bit for the first time. Like normally I've always gone into, um, these events with a, a very relaxed mindset, just curious about what my body could do and what I could do. But for some reason I went into this with thinking I could, I could maybe podium or top 10 or whatever. So I went out too hard. It was a really hot day. So of course he got to me and then, you know, once you go out hard and I, in an ultra and, and th- there's, there's really no turning back from that. So it was hard to take in nutrition and I just basically walked the last 50 miles of course and I couldn't eat or drink anything. And I had kind of like similar experience as Marianne, I guess, where only I wasn't puking, but I wasn't able to take in any, um, any fluids or nutrition. So I was really wrecked the next day and for, well, probably several weeks afterwards, but it was a very valuable lesson learned. So everything that I did at that race I made sure I noted and didn't do it again in any other race moving forward. And I've been a much smarter racer since then. So going into it this year, I had, I really had no expectations. I thought if I had a good race that I could end up in the top 10, I thought that was a realistic goal to come in in second would just kind of blew my mind. I, I, that was very unexpected, but yeah, I just, I stuck to my race plan. I paced myself and because I paced myself, I was able to get the nutrition in. I was able to manage the heat and I was able just to keep moving very strongly and consistently along the course from start to finish. So it definitely paid off. Well, I'm sorry you had that experience in 2018, but I'm glad that there were those lessons learned that allowed you to be so successful this time. And it sounds like you kind of surprised yourself. You just mentioned that Marianne, I, I think you were kind of surprised by the result as well. I mean, you both like to come second and third is really remarkable at, you know, arguably the the one of the most prestigious and the and the world's oldest hundred mile race. Um, so Marianne, what was your approach coming into this? I know, again, you'd had a kind of a string of successful like ultra races leading up to it. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, you were able to get that health more or less under control to be able to get there. So I would assume you had some confidence coming in, but what was, uh, what was the approach understanding that this was your first hundred miler? Yeah. I mean, just to kind of piggyback on what Elsa was saying, like I was super, super surprised to to show up in third place <laughs> because my experience at day off was really not very positive. Like I was feeling so sick and I just couldn't believe that I was holding on to it. And actually, I didn't I didn't come into third place until the very end. So um, that was very surprising to me. But coming into this race, I was, you know, I had no expectations. And, and, and I think that, that you have to have no expectations when you're going into your first 100 miler because I was going into the unknown and I have absolutely no, really, you know, the longest distance I had done was 125K and I, I I don't know what was what my body how my body was going to react and not only it being my first hundred mile but I think you you should always assume that a lot of things can happen during a hundred mile race there and in even more in in the conditions of Western states so I was just going into it trying to give it my best shot and and managing the conditions and managing my own body and and see what happens and have have some fun along the way um, I I really really enjoy downhill running so. I, I was just, you know, my mindset was going into it um, with going fast on the downhills and going easy on the uphills. And I was also struggling with some back pain that I had been dealing with since for two weeks before the race. 
Um, so that really, really slowed me down on the uphills. But um, but I, but my goal was really just to go out and have fun and see see what was going to happen and and um, enjoy the day and see where the day takes me. Actually. So it sounds like you both came into this race with really like positive mindsets that um, like I'm hearing the similarities there, right? Like lower expectations, focus on being in the moment, enjoy the experience. And like it's it's fascinating to me how often that really leads to success, like almost when you take the pressure of success away. Sometimes that allows you to like do the best, uh, you know, give give your best performance on the day. So coming in mentally, you know, great approaches Coming in physically, we've talked a little bit uh, with you, Marianne, about some of the challenges over the last several years. But I also know that both of you, you know, you work jobs, you know, as so many of us have to do in this sport because call yourself professional, but that only takes you so far. Elsa, I know that you work a pretty demanding and like grueling job as a plant operator in a northern Alberta oil field. Um, Maybe you can let us know what that looks like for you and how you have both kind of worked training around that, but maybe if there's any sort of surprising like gifts or benefits that that job and its challenges have given you in terms of your athletic performance. Um, it's definitely been um, a balance. I mean, I've been doing this job for about 15 years now. So I've, I've found a good routine. I work two weeks on, two weeks off. When I'm up north, I work 12-hour shifts. I work in harsh conditions. I work outside. I'm on my feet all the time. Um, It's a very physical job. We work in all weather conditions from minus 40 to plus 40. (laughs) So um, I think there has been a lot of advantages for in that, like for me working that job, like things that I can translate to to ultra running because, I mean, I never work out at the same time of day because I'm a shift worker. So sometimes if I'm on day shift, I work out really early in the morning. If I'm on night shift, I work out like late in the afternoon. So there's really no consistency to when my body is going or when it's resting. So I, I think that's, um, I think that's definitely been an advantage when it comes to trail running and cause you're, you could be going all hours of the night. Same with nutrition. I mean, I, my digestive system is really adaptable <laughs> and same with my, my sleeping. So and the harsh conditions as well, like being able to manage heat and, you know, it's almost better in a race because you can go down to a singlet and a pair of shorts, whereas at work, I'm in coveralls and a hard hat and heart and boots. So um, I don't get to shed layers. Uh, so I definitely have to, I have to so, suck it up and, and just embrace the heat. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there are some advantages to my job. It's, it's also been a very t- tricky balance um, because my job is, is long days. Obviously I can't do the volume of training at work that I do at home. And, um, you know, a few, a few weeks out from Western States when everybody was kind of in their peak weeks, I was working and we were working a maintenance shutdown and I was literally like, it's our busiest time of the year. And I was working sometimes 13 hour days and it was like nonstop. So I knew that if I tried to put in any sort of training on top of that, that I was just going to exhaust myself and, um, I had just come off a big training week because I had come like on my days off, I did a big, a big volume uh, week. So going into going into work, I thought, you know what, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to train. So I'm just going to focus on work this week and I'm going to focus on as much rest as I can on my off hours. So I did absolutely no training for that for that week at all. And I think if I hadn't done that, then the outcome of Western States would have been completely different. I probably would have been going in pretty exhausted. That's such an interesting lesson that you like first of all, the demands on your body, like the body doesn't differentiate stress, right? It just knows that it's tired and sore and it doesn't 
it doesn't matter if it's because you're putting in a huge training block or because you have a very physically demanding job in these really tough conditions. So um, like, I, I think it's really amazing that you were able to recognize that and just like take, you know, the, the I, I hesitate to say rest because it's not that you were resting in between. It's just that, you know, recognizing the the stress of that on your body. But yeah, also kind of those other lessons you talked about, like just how much it prepares you. Um, the adaptability piece sounds huge. Marianne, I know that you do some coaching. Is that your main uh, your main work? No, I also work as an HR manager at an IT company. Um, so that's actually my main job. Coaching I do on the side, and it kind of just kind of happen um, with with running. Um, but um, no, I'm an HR manager, so uh, I do a lot of recruiting. But it's not as uh, exhaust uh, exhaustive uh, physical work, but. Uh, um, it's nice because it's something that I can I can take with me at times, and my employer is very um, supportive of uh, different things that I do. So when I was Western States, for example, I was able to work remotely for a little while, um, and that was very very helpful. Do you your coaching? Does that involve coaching like primarily um, like trail and ultra runners, or do you have kind of a wide range of clients? No, I mostly do trail and ultra. Um, I have a few people who dabble into triathlons, but I mostly do trail and ultra. So because our audience is composed of like a mix of like track and road runners, as well as some trail athletes, I always ask our very diverse athletes in terms of their athletic background, what like one or two major pieces of advice they would give for someone who's wanting to start out in the trails or in the ultra scene, um, who's, you know, curious to explore it, but doesn't have much of a background in it. I would say explore it with an open mind you're not going to go to the trails and move as swiftly as you did on the road. So you have to take into account um, terrain and technicality of the course and you can throw splits out the window. <laughs> Cause I, I find that a lot of trail runners I meet, they're always trying to focus on splits and that's, that's not a realistic way to approach the sport. I don't think. That was the first thing Reed Coolset said too. He's like, yeah, you might look down and you've just run like a 12 minute kilometer and like, that's fine. <laughs> Get away from the, yeah, the, the mentality of the marathon. Marianne, what, what would you suggest for someone kind of starting out in this world? Yeah, I'd say focus a lot on easy running. I feel like sometimes when the road running, you know, they're more focused on specific distances and, and specific splits, as Elsa said, but a lot of other parameters. And I would just say, you know, just go out for a run and, and see how it feels or, or figure out a route that you want to do and just and just uh, stick it to that. Um, but um, yeah, I'd say I'd say uh, just easy running is really important. I think that, you know, track athletes or, or marathon runners are much more focused on pace. So you just have to forget that and, and just just move your own pace and move easy because that's how that's how you're going to keep moving for 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 a longer time than if you're focused on a specific pace yeah great advice I have two more questions for each of you the first is um so Elsa I know again you know this was as we mentioned your second time doing western states you were coming back after 2018 to get some redemption let's say and I've heard you say a few times in different interviews that one of your approaches was to use 100 miles of smiles I'm wondering what that means and and how it got you through um going going into this race I had the same crew that I did in 2018 and uh you know, back then they watched me fall apart and I know how bad they felt watching me struggle the way I did. And uh, I know how happy they are when I run with a smile and they know I'm having a good time on a course. And I've also noticed through this sport that when you're smiling, it's a lot easier. So, so that was my goal, hundred miles of smiles. I didn't care how bad I was hurting that. I just wanted to make sure that I smiled for every Every time I saw somebody, every time I took a picture or had my picture taken, 
it was all about enjoying the moment I was in and it worked. Such a great reminder. It's like, I think I've heard that like frowning takes like four times more muscles than it takes to smile or something like that. So like, even as a track runner, thinking about the relaxation in my face has really made a difference for me as well. So I, I love that. I think that's a really beautiful approach. And I'm, I'm so glad it worked for you. And again, I'm sure your crew was appreciative of seeing your smile on a regular basis out there, especially after 2018. Um, Marianne, like I know you were chasing that golden ticket for a long time and you finally got it at Bandera. And so because you had that in your mind and it was your first Western States, I'm wondering how it sort of stacked up to what you were dreaming about going in and, and what that emotion was like as you were uh, coming across the line, realizing that you had podiumed, puking aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for me, for me, like I said, it was just it was just such a big deal for me to make it to the start line and, and whatever was going to happen was going to be bonus. So I'm just happy that I was able to be out there and, and finish the whole race. And, and to finish in third was just really uh, kind of like a, an additional uh, happiness for me. But I'm glad that it happened the way that it did. And, and I'm glad, you know, it, my first goal was to finish. My second goal was to get top 10 so I could go back again. And I guess uh, top three was where I finished. And, and I'm just excited to go back and see and see what could potentially happen. Not that I know the race and, and not that I know the distance. But um, again, I, I, I will definitely go with the same mindset as the no pressure. And uh, I completely share Elsa's idea of smiling the whole way. I think that that's super important. And I think that that's how any race should be ran. Um, and it's especially important for 100 miles. So that's definitely something I'm going to want to do next time. Amazing. I like knowing that there is a next time. That's great. We'll definitely keep our eyes out for that. My final question to you both is this was the first time that Canadian women have been on the podium uh, since Ellie Greenwood uh, in 2012 when she set that record. I'm wondering what sort of effect you think that trailblazing Canadians like Greenwood and now you guys are having on the sport for Canadians. I think that we have a lot of Canadian trail runners that have a ton of potential and we just haven't seen them come out of the woodwork yet. So I think this is only going to, um, to promote that and, and bring them out. I think that, uh, I think you're going to see some really remarkable things in, in women's trail running in the next few years. We've seen it in the last few years and there's only more to come. Yeah, I think there's incredible talent in, in, in Canada. And I think that um, it's just, you know, a lot of people decide to, to either stick around and do some trails, some races around here, and they're not necessarily going out there. But, you know, there's also Anne-Marie Madden who got 11th, um, which is really good. And I'm really happy for her as well. Um, but I do think that there is, you know, it, it opens up the door and it kind of just shows shows our local communities that um, it is possible to to train on like Mount Royal, which is, you know, in the middle of a, a very busy city and go out in Western States and 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 compete with with some of the world's best runners. So um, it's just nice to, to it's just nice to represent Canada and, and be able to have that representation at that level to show our communities that they can also go out and, and do their very best. So um, it's exci- it's it's very exciting. Well, it's exciting for, I'm sure, all of our audience, but for me as well. You know, it's interesting thinking about the, the climate that we have to contend with if, if we are training year-round in Canada and how that could seem like an impediment. But, you know, to your point, Elsa, like you having to put up with that, at, you know, it, through work has actually made you really tough. And, um, you know, I, I, I hear that as a recurring theme. I remember talking with Karen Holland when she set the Bruce Trail FKT and she talked about doing a lot of like training through the winter and how that made her really strong and well-prepared. So no doubt in my mind that you're you're right that Canadian trail running women will 
you know, just continue to be on the rise. And both of you are such huge parts of that, especially coming off of these fantastic performances at Western States. I know Marianne said she'll be back. Elsa, do you have plans of maybe returning to Western States in the future? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I'm going to, f- the second place finish at Western States got me a ticket to UTMB next year, and that's unfinished business for me. I know that 200 milers back to back for me is is something that's uh, maybe a little bit out of my reach at this point. So I would rather just throw my heart and soul into UTMB next year. And I've done UTMB or uh, Western States twice now, and I'm I'm happy with that. So that's great. Yeah, congratulations. Well, we'll definitely be following along Elsa next year at UTMB and Marianne at Western States and whatever else you both decide to do moving forward. Thank you both so much for being part of the uh, Shakeout podcast this week, and we wish you the very best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ailsa and Marianne are both great Instagram follows, so we've included their social media handles in our show notes. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Shakeout Podcast. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps others find our show. And just a reminder that the Commonwealth Games and the World Athletics U20 Championships are both currently underway. So check back with runningmagazine.ca for all the updates. Thanks, as always, for tuning in this week. Run safe and strong, and we'll chat again soon.